Well, here we are. Thank you for joining me today. New Hope Radio. Hey, let me ask you. I'll tell you. Think of how it would feel if you could talk to anyone in the world that you wanted to. I mean, anyone. Uh, Athlete, movie star, political leader, king, queen, president, inventor, author. What do you think about that? They were just there at your beck and call. And then think if you could talk to them anytime you wanted to. You know what? Insomnia, can't sleep. Call them up. <laughs> there they are. They're ready to talk. Wow. You, let's say um, you make the phone call. Hey, Arnold, I need a change in my workout. What do you think? <laughs> and he answers the phone, and there he is, answering your questions. I'll tell you what. Well, the good news is, this principle is true in a sense. You really can't speak to anyone you want to anytime. But you know what? You can speak to God anytime you want. I don't know about you, but I like that. We're in a series entitled Because of Christ, and we got all these wonderful things going for us because of Christ. Today, today we're going to say, because of Christ, I can pray. Okay, here we go. You're one of the disciples, and you're hanging out with Jesus. And you observe him very closely. You're watching his every move. Because you see, you're one of his disciples. And the disciple wants to be like his teacher, right? So you watch him handle children and comfort widows and heal the afflicted and cast out demons. And then you notice that he often slips away by himself. And you wonder why. So you follow a little closer, and you see him bowed down and praying. He's praying to his father. He prays like you never heard anyone pray before. Oh, you heard the Pharisees with their holier-than-thou language. But you know what? It never seemed real. And besides, you could never pray like them. You don't even feel close enough to God to do that. You remember when Jesus even said to you in Matthew chapter 6, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. Oh, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your father who is in secret, And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, Jesus said, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. 
for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. So, the thing about Jesus is, when you think you're watching him, he's also watching you. He knows you want to learn to pray. He knows you want to feel close to God. He knows there are things in your life that only God can do. So what does he say to you? He says in Matthew 6, verse 9, pray then in this way. I'm like, wow. Jesus is going to give a lesson on how to pray. And then you discover, because of Christ, I can pray. Jesus said, pray in this way. One man said, a king who draws up the petition, which he allows to be presented to himself, has doubtless the fullest determination to grant the request. What's he saying? If a king draws up something he wants done and gives it to himself, you know it's going to get done. So when we pray according to God and according to God's will, it's what God wants, it's going to get done. So, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, I noticed five simple points in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And you know what they are? Number one, who God is. Number two, God's kingdom and his will. Number three, your needs for today. Number four, what I call reciprocal forgiveness. Goes out, comes in. And number five, guidance. So think of it. If you have a difficult time praying or thinking of what to pray for, these five points are a good start. What are they? Who God is, His kingdom and His will, what you need, forgiveness, and for guidance. Okay? That's a good pattern for prayer. Okay? Remember, because of Christ, you can pray. So I'm like, if I can pray, then I should pray. Sometimes people call, call this the Lord's Prayer, and so it is. But it is not a family prayer. It's not a child's prayer. It's a prayer that one must know the meaning of in order to pray. You know what I call it? The disciples' prayer. Because when you pray, you've got to know how to pray and what to pray. And Jesus is teaching them how to pray and what to pray. So it's the disciples' prayer. And it's for any of us. So the prayer begins by giving God his supreme place, for only then will all other things fall into their proper place. Oh, what do I call that? Establishing priorities. God's on top. Everything else falls underneath. So Jesus said in verse 9, Matthew 6, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now the word Father is the word pater, and it means a parent or a father. And notice, Jesus didn't say, My Father. He said, Our Father. So right away, Jesus brings in the intimacy that all of us have with God. You, me, every Christian has this kind of intimacy with God. And then two things about God he mentions. Where he is and who he is. He is in heaven and he is holy. 
So this does away with any hyper-sentimentality that we may have toward God. Or you might think God has toward you. He's certainly far above us, and yet he desires to be intimate with us. Wow. He's above us, but he wants to be with us. You know, the Bible tells us in Psalm 14, verse 2, the Lord, and the word Lord is Elohim, it's a plural, but it's a reference not to the Trinity, but to the almightiness of God as supreme being. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. So there's the almighty God looking for those that are looking for him. So here's where it pays off to be a disciple. Another Psalm, Psalm 9, verse 10. Those who know thy name put their trust in thee. Now, in the Hebrew culture, name means more than a title. It represents one's character and nature. So when you know God, you realize that he is holy. He is unique. He's separate from all others. He's one and only. He's set apart. Okay? So verse 10, Jesus said, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, this is what all of life is leading to. Life is a timeline. It's not circular. Seeing the ancient pagans believe life was cyclical and it just kept going round and round and round and round. But no, life is linear. It has a beginning and it has an end. Time had a beginning and time will have an end. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That shows how time is linear. And all of life is heading in that direction. It was the subject of Jesus' first preaching. You know that? When he started his ministry, the Bible says, After John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the time is fulfilled. That means Jesus is here. He came in the fullness of time, right? He's here. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Who's the kingdom? Christ. So God is moving through human history. Now Christ has come and gone. The church age is here. And we're getting closer and closer to the next great event. The rapture and the tribulation. Another time Jesus said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities. For I was sent for this purpose. So Jesus understood that he had a mission and that his mission wasn't for a select few. I like that. It was for the whole world. The kingdom demands a submission of what? My will, my heart, and my life. You know, that's what Jesus is preaching. If you want to be in his kingdom, we have to submit, surrender, even more so. My will, my heart, in my life. So, because of Christ, I can pray that God's will would be accomplished in my life. Now, that's a good prayer to pray, wouldn't you say? Thy will be done. God, I want your will in my life. Why? Because your will is better than mine. It's perfect. Mine's not. 
Even if you think your will is perfect, God's is always perfecter, <laughs> more perfect. Jesus now shines our attention from heaven to earth, from who God is to what we need. See, it's a pattern of prayer. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. This tells us that Jesus is interested in our physical bodies and our natural existence. By the way, didn't he take upon himself a human body? Like, yeah. And he's interested in our physical existence. And that's why he said, when you have physical needs, pray. Pray to God, who's holy and in heaven, and has a will, and has a kingdom, and time is marching on. And God is interested in you. Tell him what you need. He cares about your health. He cares about your family. He cares about your vocation. He cares about your experiences. And he even cares about your mistakes. He cares about every aspect of you. Why? Because when you love someone, you care about all of them. Every part of them. So, of course, God cares about every part of us. Give us this day our daily bread. And, you know, that's a deep statement. It's not just asking God for some food. This prayer reminds us of a couple of things. Number one, to live one day at a time. And number two, it's okay to have a dependency on God. It's okay. Because what are we doing? We're praying that God would deliver the bread. Right, God? Deliver me some bread. Today, I have a daily need to lean on God. Nothing wrong with that. That's beautiful. That's the way it should be. Didn't Jesus say one time in Mark chapter 6, Do not be worried about your life. Right? What are you worried about? Don't be worried. Worried is not like part of the Christian life. It doesn't fit. That's for the unbeliever, not the believer. The rabbis used to say, he who possesses enough bread today but worries about what he will eat tomorrow is a man of little faith. Right? Listen, if you've got what you need today, don't worry about tomorrow. Now, again, this doesn't mean you don't prepare for the future. Sometimes people take a verse like, like this and think, well, you know what? I'm just going to trust God and I'm not going to save and I'm not going to have a retirement account and I'm not going to have insurance. No, we need all these things to be responsible. But he's talking about worry and anxiety, okay? If, if you've got a lunch today, don't put your mind on tomorrow. Live today. Enjoy today. But at the same time, biblically speaking, we do prepare for tomorrow, but we don't do it in worry and anxiety. Okay? We have to remember that. Got to keep things in perspective. So remember that prayer began acknowledging God our Father, who sees all from heaven. Okay? See, that's personal. That's not being religious. That's being in a relationship. Let me ask you, where are you? Where are you with God? Are you religious toward God, or are you in a relationship 
with God. There is a difference. And sometimes I think we can fool ourselves. How can you tell if you're in a religion toward God? It's all about doing. How can you tell if you're in a relationship with God? You realize it's already been done. And you're just going to let God love you. And you're going to love Him back. That's it. That is it. Let God love you and love Him back. That's the relationship. Well, Jesus carries on and He said in verse 12, And forgive us our debts. What is a debt but something owed? Right? And He's not talking about financial debts. But a failure to pay what is due is a failure in duty. Okay? We all have a duty to pay our debts. No one on the earth has never failed in some duty. We've all failed in some way in required duty to our fellow man, right? Maybe a broken promise, broken plans. You know, we've all failed in some way, showed up late, didn't show up at all, said we'd get it done, didn't get it done. You know, said we wouldn't go, but we went. So this prayer is an acknowledgement of that sin and asking for forgiveness for it. So forgive us our debts. God, forgive me for my failure in duty. Okay? Whether it was a failure in duty to you or to my fellow man. Forgive us our debts. Oh, wait a minute. As we forgive our debtors. Oh, we got a condition here. What's Jesus saying? Forgive us of our sins in proportion as we forgive those who sinned against us. Well, as they said in The Wizard of Oz, that's a horse of a different color. (laughs) God, don't just forgive me, but forgive me the way I forgive others. Now, Jesus said, if you want to pray, that's a good prayer. Forgive me as I forgive others. And you know what? If and when you say, I will never forgive that person, you're telling God not to forgive you. That's what you're telling him. Because in that prayer, we're saying, God, I want you to forgive me the way I forgive others. But if in your heart there's somebody you refuse to forgive them, then you're saying, God, don't forgive me. Now, to forgive someone doesn't mean you're going to go out for coffee, you're going to buy them lunch. You can you can stay away from them the rest of your life. It just means you don't carry bitterness in your heart. That's all. You don't carry bitterness. You don't have an attitude. You don't let that root of bitterness spring up inside you and then defile everybody that's around you. See, you cannot have divine forgiveness where human forgiveness is lacking. We get offended. Oh, I wasn't invited to the party. I wasn't visited when I was in the hospital. I didn't get the raise I was promised. I was left out of the carpool. I wasn't thanked for that good thing that I did. And sometimes and then we fall into unforgiveness. And we hurt ourselves by telling God, don't forgive me. How important is forgiveness to God? You know how important it is? Jesus said, if you're presenting your offering at the altar 
and there remember that your brother has something against you? Leave your offering there before the altar, and go, and first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Boy, I think if everybody did that, churches would really be broke. (laughs) So, you know, Jesus is saying, that's what's important to me, reconciliation. I'd rather have people getting along and loving each other than having your money. That's what he's saying. Matter of fact, no, what he's saying is, you know what? If you're not going to forgive and get along, I don't want your money. There's nothing you can give me. You know why? Because your heart is not right. I want your heart to be right. When you give me something, I want it to come from a right heart. And if you have unforgiveness in your heart, your heart's not right. And what you give me, it's... It stinketh. I don't like it. I don't want it. So think of it. Because of Christ, I have hope. We talked about that. What is hope? Fuel for life. It's like gas in the car. Hope keeps me going. Hope gets me out of bed in the morning. Hope helps me to look through all the turmoil of life into the future. And realize you have a bright future with Christ. Because of Christ, I have salvation. Oh, I've been delivered. I've been delivered from the power of sin. I've been delivered from the judgment of sin. I've been set free. I've been made righteous. Why? Because of Christ. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I have the assurance. That's right. I said assurance of heaven. Don't listen to those people that tell you you can lose your salvation. You can't. Why? Because you're hid in Christ. Jesus said, no one can pluck pluck you out of my hand, and no one can pluck you out of my Father's hand. We can't pluck ourselves. Sometimes people say, well, you know what? You can reject God. Well, he won't reject you. You can walk away. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30. The Spirit is in you. And you know what? It's a perfect tense. You know what that means? It's permanent. Spirit's not going anywhere. And that's what keeps you saved. The indwelling Holy Spirit, which is a permanent act, keeps you saved. So because of Christ, I have salvation. Oh, because of Christ, I have grace. Oh, we talked about grace, didn't we? Grace is what? One aspect of it is that in which we stand. Grace is the stabilizer of life. It keeps us steady. Because God will always treat us better than we deserve to be treated. That's grace. So no one has to quit. No one has to say, oh, I can't cut the mustard. Oh, I committed the abominable sin. Where sin abounds, Grace does much more abound. Well, should I live in sin, Paul said, that grace may abound? He said, may it never be. We don't use grace as a license to sin. We use grace to get back with God. That's why God gives us grace. He's saying, come on back. Like he called out to Peter when Jesus said, go tell the disciples to meet me in Galilee. Oh, and don't forget to tell Peter. That was grace. Peter was guilty. Peter was rejected. Peter was, Peter felt like dirt. 
And Jesus said, Don't forget to tell Peter to come and meet me in Galilee. That's grace. Because of Christ, I have love. Oh, special love. God's love. A love that comes into me and goes out of me. Because of Christ, I have spiritual gifts. Remember that? Just talked about that. Spiritual gifts which give meaning to my life and purpose to my life. When you know your gift, you're not a bored Christian because you know your gift and you use it for the common good. You use it to glorify God and you earn rewards as well. Because of Christ, I can be calm in the storm. I can be at peace. The wind is blowing and the rain is falling. And the ground is shaking. But I'm at peace. Because I'm hidden Christ. And then like we saw today, because of Christ, I can pray. I can talk to God. That's it. I can talk to God. When I talk to God, I acknowledge who He is, how unique and special and supreme He is. I acknowledge His will, that He does have a will for all of us and for our lives personally. I can request the needs that I have, the daily needs. I can ask for forgiveness. And I'm reminded that I need to forgive as I ask for forgiveness. See, all these things are very, very important. How important reconciliation is to God. Oh, very important. So you see, when you think about prayer, just think about, I'm communicating. I'm in a relationship with God, and I'm talking to God. Not meaningless repetitions, not imitating someone else's conversation. You just be who you are. You be who you are. And you have the privilege to talk to the Supreme Almighty One. That's better than calling up Arnold and asking him for a new workout. Talking to the Lord. Well, thanks for coming along today. Hope these messages help you. Hey, get a friend to listen. Christian, non-Christian, doesn't matter. They might get something out of it. By the way, we have an email if you want to email me, comment, question, or maybe a topic you want to hear on the radio. New Hope Radio number seven at gmail.com. Okay, New Hope Radio, the number seven, at gmail.com. Got some ideas? We'll bring them to the radio. Don't forget about joining the Hope Club as well. Uh, It's important. You support us, we'll support you. That's it. Thanks for coming along, and I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.